welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 492. Gather round and listen well, for I have a tale of tragedy to tell. I sing of subtle shadow spread across a land, and of the man who turned his hand towards a purpose few could bear. Fair Lanra, stripped of wife, of life, of pride, still never from his purpose swayed, who fought the tide and fell and was betrayed. At first it was her voice that caught my breath, then it was the music. But before ten lines had passed her lips, I was stunned for different reasons. She sang the story of Mir Terennial's fall, of Lanra's betrayal. It was the story I had heard from Scarpy in Tarbin. But Denna's version was different. In her song, Lanra was painted in tragic tones, a hero wrongly used. Selatos's words were cruel and biting. Mere Terennial, a warren that was better for the purifying fire. Lanra was no traitor, but a fallen hero. So much depends on where you stop a story, and hers ended when Lanra was cursed by Selatos. It was the perfect ending for a tragedy. In her story, Lanra was wronged, misunderstood. Selatos was a tyrant, an insane monster who tore out his own eye in fury at Lanra's clever trickery. It was dreadfully, painfully wrong. Despite this, it had the first glimmers of beauty to it. The chords well chosen, the rhyme subtle and strong. The song was very fresh and there were rough patches aplenty, but I could feel the shape of it. I saw what it could become. It would turn men's minds. They would sing it for a hundred years. You've probably heard it, in fact. Most folk have. She ended up calling it the Song of Seven Sorrows. Yes, Denna composed it, and I was the first person to hear it played entire. As the last notes faded in the air, Denna lowered her hands, unwilling to meet my eye. I sat still and silent on the grass. For this to make sense, you need to understand something every musician knows. Singing a new song is a nervous thing. More than that, it's terrifying. It's like undressing for the first time in front of a new lover. It's a delicate moment. I needed to say something, a compliment, a comment, a joke, a lie. Anything was better than silence. But I couldn't have been more stunned if she had written a hymn praising the Duke of Gebea. The shock was simply too much for me. I felt raw as the end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. And even this early in the saga, Quoth understands the importance of stories. And he understands that if this this wonderful version of the story gets out, it's going to become the real version. And he has so invested himself in the version he has heard that he, A, doesn't think for a second that maybe he's got the story wrong. And B, he tries to torpedo this song so that Denna doesn't finish it and it doesn't let it get out in the world. Like this is, we, I guess we haven't really got to him trying to torpedo it yet, but his, his, his actions in this scene we haven't got to him torpedoing it yet, but I think that that is his motivation. And I know that I'm prone to uncharitable reads of quote, but uh, I do feel like he is so overwhelmed at like the surprise of this and hearing a different version. And also, I, as I've said in the past, I think he's trying to protect Denna from the same fate that befell his his parents. Although he doesn't put that in in his narration which is sort of an interesting note. Like he's, he's, he's almost like this is a knee jerk reaction. He's not considering 
odd to think of both not considering the consequences of his actions. Uh, but I, I think he, he really doesn't. I think he's just so, he just is like so powerfully drawn to like, I can't let this story be like, get out, even if it means sacrificing my relationship with Denna. Well, and I think that it's interesting to think about where that impulse comes from. Cause he does like have a knee jerk reaction. And then he kind of like digs in his heels and sticks to his, uh, his guns. And it's, you know, if you think of Quoth as an intelligent person, and I do, it it makes you kind of do a double take that he instantly goes, this is wrong. This version of this story is wrong, terribly wrong, and it's bad, and I don't like it. And an intelligent person would go, oh, that's a different version of this story. I should maybe interrogate my assumptions about what I think is true about this story, and maybe this is something that's worth talking to Denna about. And I think that the reason that he reacts so strongly is because he has an emotional investment in the story he's already heard. And partly because, I mean, there's a few reasons. One of them is that he just always thinks he's right and he knows best. And he's smarter than everybody. Uh, and so he can't, uh, in, with, in this kind of split second moment, he can't conceive of a world in which Denna knows more than him about but hang on, it's it's more than just being protective of the story. Quoth has already drawn the line between Lanra and Haliax, and he knows for a fact that Haliax exists and that the curse that Celatos apparently put on Lanra is the curse that Haliax has. So he's not just like, there's a story that means something different and I should interrogate whether or not that's true. To him, he has not only internalized that his version of the story is true, but that knowing it is dangerous. Yeah, which is what my second point was going to be, that he's like got an emotional investment in this and he has connected it to real world events. I don't actually know that it's even correct to assume that Lanra is Haliax. Both might have that wrong, but that's what he believes. And he believes it so strongly that uh, he has this reaction to it. But I also think I relate to Quote's reaction here because it's how I react when something changes about a story that I'm familiar with and it makes me mad because it's wrong and dumb. Like, for example, when they, uh, you know, if they like retcon Batman's origin story so that he's, you know, so that his parents aren't gunned down in an alley by a mugger or that like the mugger was actually in the right and his parents were bad. Like, that sucks. That's stupid. It ruins the entire like rest of the story and makes me angry. So in that sense, I get it. <laughs> so Quoth is the ultimate like comments guy is the ultimate like toxic he, he, fan <laughs> he is a he no he's a canon purist <laughs> and these things are different how well because you can because when it's someone messing with batman's origin in a way that really irrevocably fucks up the character that's bad when it's oh batwoman's gay now that's good okay fine but if Batman is an example of modern myth, isn't it okay to remix the ingredients because that's how myth and, and story works? It's okay to remix the ingredients as long as you don't get the fundamental truth of the story wrong. What if that's what like, you're interrogating it's okay, in your remix? Then you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you make a story where where it's somehow bad that 
he becomes Batman and it's good that Thomas and Martha Wayne were killed, then you have made a bad Batman story and you should be flogged in the public square. Okay, but Jeremy, if there were such people as Thomas and Martha Wayne with the amount of money that they have, and if their son used the wealth that he inherited from them to wage a one-man war against the mentally ill, I think uh, you and I would both think less well of that man than you do of Batman. <laughs> Yeah, but that's why he's a story, not real life. <laughs> okay, touche. Like, <laughs> come the fuck on. Right. So back to the page we're reading. One thing that's actually really frustrating about this page is like there's a bunch of stuff that I want to get to, but it's not here yet. Um, like, especially just because we're gearing up to Quoth's reaction and it's frustrating like, it makes sense, but it's frustrating to know that, like, Foth knows what he needs to do in this situation. He knows what he needs to do, and he's not gonna do it. He can't do it. And it's just like, no! Why? Like, you know what you need. Like, he knows all the, like, he knows that, like, this is a scary thing for her, and that, like, he needs to say something. And and he doesn't, and he can't, and it's frustrating. Because <laughs> he's being a bad audience. Like, remember on the previous page when like Dana is saying that like what she needs right now is an audience and like he's not really providing as an audience member he's providing as someone with a really specific problem with her story like he's not really providing as a full audience kind of thing i mean yes but the because we understand where quoth is coming from like that's where the tragedy comes from because we know what he needs to do to like be there for Denna in this moment and he can't do it for reasons that are personal to him and we completely understand why. Yeah, and are also even if we're going, no, quote you fool. It's still frustrating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah that's where the drama comes yes. from. And it's delicious. It. Nom, 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 nom. Let me gobble up your sorrows. It, it's it's also worth noting, I think, that None of the facts of Denna's story are different than the than the facts of Quoth's story. Like none of the the events. It's all in how the events are interpretive interpreted and who the chor- the story chooses to focus on as its lens, right? So isn't it interesting to think about this story, the one that we're reading, and if you focus on another character as its lens, perhaps Andro- uh, Ambrose as a disfavored son. Uh, who has been relegated and is simply trying his level best to exist in the way that he was raised in a world that doesn't understand him. And he's stymied at every turn by this this cruel upstart who won't leave him alone. Yeah, but I mean, if that's the example you're going to choose, then the logical thing that we must do as readers is go, okay, no, the first version was correct. Because siding with a prick like Ambrose is simply impossible, no matter how sympathetic you try to make it. I mean, I don't. Yes, I think the reason that we're reading this story from Crow's perspective is that it's it's a far more correct reading of that relationship. But I think what we agree on here is that what's happening here in the two stories of the the Lanra to Haliax myth is a version of what Quoth is doing in some way in telling us his version of the events that led to him being relegated uh, to the Waystone Inn. Yeah. And like, in some ways it's like, you can also read this as an interesting foreshadowing of how he's failed because he says, 
you know, this song is going to turn men's mind. They'll sing it for a hundred years. And then he says, oh, and like, you all know this song already because in our world, this is now a song that's already popular and beloved by everybody. So however Quoth attempts to torpedo Denna in the following scene, he fails. And this song does become like an accepted narrative in the world. I also, there's a, a bit of synchronicity for me in that he says, you've probably heard it in fact. And that reminds me of the, you may have heard of me line that he says when he begins his story yeah so we may have heard of him but we also may have heard of denna sort of well it's interesting actually the way he frames it because the way he frames it he seems to think that people wouldn't have heard of denna yeah because otherwise why would he be explaining to us the audience who denna is who wrote tinker tanner if all the what who wrote tinker tanner like the the songwriter of these of these uh ageless songs don't matter you know, who is the first person to yeah, write well, Robin and, Hood? And the very idea that people in the world know who Quoth is, but they don't know who Denna is, that would be like knowing who Robin Hood is, but not knowing who Maid Marian is, which raises an interesting question. Why don't, if people are familiar with the legend of Quoth, why aren't they familiar with Denna? Hmm. Mm, I like it. Much to think on. It's because she's dead. She's dead. I mean, that's still not a very good reason to not have someone in a story, though. Just because they're well, dead doesn't mean they wouldn't I mean, be I, I don't think we need to get too deeply into this, but I feel like despite the central role she plays in Quoth's actual life, she's not a central figure in in the Quoth stories. Although she was there when the dragon happened, but she was, like, unconscious, right? She was in a... Well, but, like, and normal people don't know that, yeah. right? Like, she doesn't figure into any of, like, the popularly retold stories of Quoth. What I'm getting at here is that it seems to me like after her patron gets whatever he wants out of her, he's going to kill her to like to hush her up, make sure she can't spill the beans. That could be. Either that or the Chandrian are going to get her. Well, what if they're, what if they're one and the same, Jordana? Reasonable. But then why would they want the song out there to begin with? Or what if it's not Because the this song makes them look the good. Song. What if it's the enemies of the Chandrian who want to immortalize a song about the Chandrian for all time? If what they want is to destroy all records of them, then surely their enemies would want to keep records of them. And if what if what they want is not that, but instead to rewrite reality so that they are its protagonists rather than its villains, then uh, this is the kind of song. Oh, want that's a good point, Jeremy. That the first step of that would be to erase all records of them being being bad which would explain why the rhyme of them being quite nice to us still exists in the archives. Hmm. So I, I, I that is that quickly taking place uh, for me as the front runner for the Chandrian's motivation is not to destroy records of them, but to change their, their, the way they're perceived in the stories as being protagonists rather than villains. Like Listeners, it. if you ever want to get Nick on your side, you just have to jingle the keys in front of him <laughs> of a tantalizing new crackpot theory that's even crazier than whatever one he put forward. You know what? That 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 is catnip to me. I do love to be yes-anded <laughs> when it comes to crackpot theories. We have a letter today from Josh the Bird who writes on Quoth and Denna. Hey, I haven't written in a while and I wanted to pop in. I really enjoyed the discussion Jordana and Jeremy had on page 450 in regards to Quoth and Denna as romance versus tragedy. It reminded me of a conversation between them later in the book that I've been waiting for, where Quoth tells Denna to love him and he ruins the game because it's clear he was being genuine. 
that scene gutted me on first read, and I've been curious about how I would see it on revisit. However, I forgot about the conversation on this page, and it really seems to set up nicely how serious Quoth is being while he hides behind the banter game for plausible deniability, as Jeremy put it. I'm looking forward to discussing further when the later scene comes up. Hope y'all are well, and thanks for the podcast. Signed, Josh the Bird. I do think that on this read in particular, it's more and more apparent to me how much they hide their true feelings behind banter, and that when the banter element is stripped away, how how frightening it becomes for the both of them, which is perhaps on display a little bit in this chapter, although it um, certainly it's about to move away from like loving honesty to uh, to brutal honesty. Although we do have earlier in this chapter, a few moments where the same thing happens where they get, they start fainting towards uh, truly explaining their feelings for one another and it's too much for them. So they have to retreat into the banter. Yeah. I mean, what is more horrifying? What is more like, you know, deeply fear inducing than the mortifying ordeal of being known? Indeed. That is the main hurdle to cross before one can be an effective partner. Mm -hmm. Before one can receive the rewards of being loved. Yes. One must first expose oneself and also uh, become known. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And listeners, we will expose ourselves to you on tomorrow's page. (laughs) I'm sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) The way.